Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Midweek Metagame. I'm your host, Gabriel Nassif, joined by one of my regular co-hosts, Canister. Hello. Unfortunately, Pat could not be with us this weekend. I actually forget why, but I'm sure he had a good reason. And yes, yeah, it's going to be me and Canister talking about loads of stuff, new sets, Wells of Eldraine, etc. But before we get into that, shout out to ourselves, our Patreon, patreon.com slash midweek metagame if you want to support us. No pressure to do so. Our content will always be free. We do it for the love of the game, but you know, if you want to support us, that's where you can uh, head. Well, 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 another week, another top eight for me in the modern challenge. I say another, but I barely top eighted any challenges this year. Uh, so it felt good. I kind of robbed a bunch of opponents. So we'll be talking about that. But we're going to start with Wilds of Eldraine, focused on Pioneer and Modern. Of course, I have Worlds coming up with Standard and Draft, but I think we're mostly going to focus on Pioneer and Modern. That's what people, most people who listen to us probably want to hear about. Uh, yeah, despite the, despite the valiant efforts of Wizards to rejuvenate and reinvigorate Standard, it's... Uh, it does seem like Pioneer and Modern are still kind of more important, at least in our circles. Yeah, I agree. Even more, though I do, I, I kind of do enjoy Standard whenever I get to play it. So we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, I've been playing a, a bit of Modern. Canister has been playing a bit of Pioneer. I played a tiny bit of Pioneer. Actually, Canister and I played in a prelim. And we'll also be talking about the Modern Super League, which I was not approached for, but that's okay. Canister is a participant, so he'll tell us about that. Uh, so yeah, lots to so talk can, about. We can, we can start with the Super League, actually, because it's going to be rather short for now. Uh, it is, uh, if you're familiar with the concept and the format of the Super Leagues, I think Vintage Super League was the like most common one. I'm not sure if there were other ones. Uh, it's been a show, a weekly show, where uh, popular players or streamers were battling it out in, in Vintage. That was actually how I got into Vintage and what got me excited about the format and what started, what made me start play the challenges pretty pretty often and follow the format. And then you uh, were watching it or did you participate yeah, yeah. in... No, 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 no. I was just watching. I was just a viewer. I just was going to sleep. It was typically late at night European time. Uh, and I've seen that the Super League was on and I was watching LSV play some like workshop or dredge decks against uh, some some other known players and i was like wow this this stuff is so silly but also in a cool way yeah so i enjoyed that a lot and i'm pretty happy to be a member let's say of the new iteration of the modern super league i have not actually come back and watched the first episode which already aired aired uh, on wednesday so yesterday wait yeah yeah uh, and uh, but i will be playing personally in my pod of four players on september 20th so still a while from now in three three weeks 
in a four-person pod with Doomwake, Caleb Durward, and Jesse Robkin. So certainly looking forward to to having an easy match against Doomwake. That's 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 I'm taking for granted, but we'll see how the rest will go. And par- excited to participate in that. So do you know how the structure works? Uh, it's gonna be four-person pods, which uh, there is. I think four off, and then the, each pod will produce a winner, if I'm not mistaken, and then those winners will play in a, in the top pod against, uh, you know, in the pod of winners, and that will determine the winner of the entire league. It's not a team event. No, 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 no. It's it's uh, individual, okay. individual, fully individual tournament. Because they used to have the modern Super League, I, I would know, because I was part of it, but... It was me, Reed, and Jabberwocky, and mm. it was a team event. And the way the structure worked is that we each had one deck, I think. And basically, one player started, and they played against the other people's team, the other team, until they lost. Then when you lost, someone else got in, and whoever was the last man standing, I guess, won, won the match. And... You would play team of three versus team of three and score points. And then at the end, there would be a finals. I don't remember the structure exactly, but it was, it was a team event. It was the, the same thing as when uh, Randy used to do it, right? Randy and... I'm pretty sure there was a... Yeah, Randy was like the person behind the Vintage Super League. And I think at least at some points, it was probably also a team event because I remember that one episode, one, one time... There was, I think, Team Channel Fireball, and there was a rule in place which uh, was that like the, the decks within the team had to be X cards different. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the exact amount, but it was like something like 20 cards different or something. And Team Channel Fireball, kind of as a challenge, uh, they, they produced uh, three entirely different dredge decks. In, in the same team and it was just like really funny because you know like they had to split the dredges between each other and only some of them played Golgari Grave Troll and Greater Mosdog certainly appeared in a few of those lists it was just really funny to to look at and follow so I, I faintly remember something like that that also sounds like a pretty cool system and uh, format so maybe maybe in the future who knows I'm not entirely sure so this one is you just bring one deck for the pod, one deck per day of play, kind of? Yes, yes, I believe so. Okay, cool. All right, well, I'll probably be watching if... Yes, it's a little late for me, but um, I'm kind of glad they didn't ask, I guess, in some ways, which uh, <laughs> not sure I would have said yes, but 11, 11 p.m. at night is a little late. I, I have started going to bed a bit earlier, and I like it that way, so... Uh, definitely it's, be it's a little bit off. the yeah. generate uh, starting time 11 p.m. for Europeans, but it is it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, so Cancer said, you know, we should talk about spoilers tonight, and I'm like, okay, for standard, are you interested in standard? He's like, no, pioneer and modern, and I was like, oh, because I was just not aware that these cards were really pioneer or modern. Playable, you know, maybe people like the new Tutor, Beseech. I'm sure we'll talk about that card. I'm not really feeling it, but maybe in some decks, 
you know, there's up the beanstalk that we only see a bit of playing legacy. Is that is that hard seeing playing legacy for real? Is it actually good? Well, it's not released yet, so we don't know yet, right? All but, right. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> but possibly. All right. So basically, I'm... this episode is going to be canister bringing up cards and saying that they might be good, and me just saying, "Nah, that's just going to be bad. Not good enough." So I'm ready for you, canister. All right, so so I'll start. The first one that I have pulled up on my screen is a card that actually, well, let's just read it out. Werefox Bodyguard. It's a one white white flash, essentially a, a how do you call them? Banisher Priest. Yes, Banisher Priest, Oblivion Ring type creature. So it's a three mana two two flash when enters the battlefield exile up to one other target non-fox creature until it leaves the battlefield so you can notably target your own creatures if you want to save them from removals or sweepers or anything like that and uh, there's one more ability on the card one white sacrifice werefox bodyguard you gain two life so i've been thinking that this card is possibly just like slightly, not not too much, but slightly interesting as an option for Pioneer, white, white aggro decks, mostly like mono white. It is not a human, but uh, it is a relatively decent variant of uh, a Brutal Cathar and like similar types of effects, while it also, thanks to being able to target your own creatures, it's not utterly useless when facing decks that just present no targets. It's still capable of saving your creatures from removal in a way, or sweepers. Yeah, it looks good. The instant, uh, you know, as a control player, that's scary against Shark Typhoon. Shark Typhoon's one of mm -hmm. your best cards against Mono White. And I know that already now, sometimes... Well, I hope they didn't leave in too many Brutal Cathar, or if they have Brutal Cathar, I'm going to lose this game, because what happens is you cycle the shark, maybe you get a creature, you untap, and if they just can get rid of it, you're in that spot. Now they have a way to get rid of shark at instant speed, so from that lens, anyways, that, that sounds pretty good. And uh, yeah. it has okay types, maybe not relevant for Mono White Aggro and Pioneer. It is an elf and a knight. And a fox. Yeah, and the fox. I said I always talk about the relevant ones, but I guess. So you, you can't have, I guess you can't have fox on fox violence. Uh, you can't have bodyguard on, on bodyguard violence. But yeah, yeah not, not that card is super solid. Would you say it's better or worse than Brut uh, Brutal Cathar? It's, it seems uh, kind of similar power level to me, like on average. And uh... My intuition tells me that we will see if it like is going to be a preferable option, but I could definitely see it being the preferable option. Yeah, I don't have an experience playing the white deck only against it and usually with control. So the actually flip ability of Brutal Cathar, going back and forth, maybe getting several creatures doesn't come up for me that often. Is that something that comes up in Pioneer, do you think? It's pretty rare, like definitely happens, and there is some games and some matchups where where it happens, and I've certainly struggled like in a few situations against Brutal Cathar when 
I was playing mono green and I was trying to block with my cavaliers and uh, old growth trolls and my opponent was just threatening to flip the Qatar back and exile more of them. That was a big bit of a problem. On the other hand, I've also had games as mono green where my opponent confidently put a brutal Qatar on the stack, happy to exile my blocker, only for it to enter the battlefield on its werewolf, werewolf side because it was night and like they didn't realize that. Yeah. And they didn't don't even get to exile the creature at that point. So upsides and downsides for both cards. There is one thing though that irks me about the Werefox bodyguard very much. From like game design, clarity, uh, flavor standpoint, it has the one white sack gain two life ability in a food set. And it's just really odd. It's, it just strikes me as a really odd ability. Is the flavor that you that you eat it? No, clearly not, right? Also, like it costs it has a different cost, it doesn't tap. It's just very unelegant. I I, I hate that. Yeah, maybe maybe it's it's so you can get your creature back. You're talking about saving your creatures or protecting them. Oh, that that's for sure. Rick. I get that that is the use, but it's just like the fact that an ability this similar to a food activation, but also slightly different to a food activation in the same set, which has a large food theme. Maybe maybe that's just an autism thing. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like. Yeah, ah, I don't mind it, but okay. Anyways, yeah, I think good card. Um, you know, I definitely add a list of like 20 or so cards for standard that I discussed the other day, and it definitely made the list. It's It, it looks good. What, what, what do you have next? Next card that I have pulled up is actually Quick Study, which is just the instance speed divination. Ooh. And... The, the main reason why I was thinking about it, it's like, you know, it's not very powerful, right? Like, Divination is not, like, a card that you play constructed, definitely not a card you play in Pioneer. I guess you play it sometimes in Standard, right? But what is exciting to me about the card is, or at least interesting, is that you have that play pattern against Control in Pioneer, specifically, where you you know that you're not supposed, like, you you're never supposed to play a strong card when they have three mana up, because you know the, that they either have, either gonna absorb it or like virtually waste the mana. Uh, so you wait with your big play for turn four, and then you know it's it's rough for them because they either absorb or they get to play Wandering Emperor or Memory Deluge. And Quick Study just kind of fits into that curve nicely with giving you options in control where you can either have a draw spell or an absorb. So that yeah. looks pretty nice to me. I don't have this problem. I just play Siphon Insight in my main deck in Blue Black, so I already have stuff to do. But no, yeah, great point. People obviously pretty excited about that card. Poor Blue Mage are so starved these days, especially uh, in Pioneer <laughs> and Modern, that uh, everyone's just losing their mind over an instant speed divination. But I agree with what you said. I think it's tough to cut all your Deluge from a control deck. I think having access to at least one or two Deluge is super important for the the long games, but instead of playing, I think in my latest blue-white version in Pioneer, I was playing to Behold the Multiverse 2 Memory Deluge. I like the mm -hmm. split because I like the flexibility and I don't think you need to, to flash back more than one Deluge to win a game anyways. 
So I could see just swapping to maybe, you know, people will probably start with four. I would probably start with four of the instant speed divination and maybe two deluge uh -huh, and, uh -huh. and, and go from there. But yeah, no, pretty cool card. Probably not good enough for modern though, right? Just maybe uh, Pioneer. Like, in modern, you can just play, you know, two extra blue and get an Archmage's Charm, right? So... Yeah. Probably you're gonna you're gonna do that every time. It is nice that it's it's super easy on the mana. People people have always asked me what what would that card need to be to 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 be good in in modern. And I feel in modern it would have to be a blue, a white, and one instant speed divination. You gain two life or you gain three life. I feel like mm. that would be something that that would probably be playable and, and decent but we'll see if if just divination and since is good enough for pioneer cool okay so far i kind of agree with you i guess you're two for two let's see if you can keep the streak going all right the next card coming is elusive otter for Ooh. a blue mana it's a one one prowess creature otter uh, creatures with power less than it cannot block it, which is a kind of nice ability on a prowess creature. You can like attack with a small one, or rather, no, you have to grow it and then, yeah, you have to grow it first and then your opponent can block it. So yeah, that's it, can't, nice. it can't be chum blocked, basically. Yes, yes, and it also has a an adventure which is Groves Bounty X Green Sorcery Distribute X. Counters among any number of target creatures you control. Which is awkward that it's a green card, and certainly the prowess mechanic typically makes you think of uh, blue-red. The is it color combination, but uh, it's not the worst. Like, it's pretty pretty nice to have like a mana sync on a one-drop when you top-deck it later in the game. It's also distribute X counters among any number of target creatures you control. Which is better than my first reading of the card, which uh, where I just thought it's a strive, where it's like X creatures you control get a plus one plus one counter. So yeah, uh, gonna be kind of kind of hard to use the adventure part, but uh, you could try to to put the altar in a once again. I think a pioneer. A prowess aggro deck, like if you build a blue red type deck, maybe you can splash the adventure with some like off color pathways if you can afford that to some extent, or maybe you're gonna be able to put some treasure making ability into your deck in some random way. So, uh, I'll be looking to probably introduce green into my deck in that way. Is... As for modern, I was gonna ask, is blue red prowess already a thing in Pioneer? Sort of like it's certainly a deck I played with and against a little bit. It had its it had its moment. Uh, the prize creatures and treasure cruise together is a pretty pretty nice combination, and uh, I think it was a deck mainly when expressive iteration existed. Kinda things kinda calmed down when iteration got banned from Pioneer, and you couldn't do that anymore. Yeah, and usually these decks are lacking cards like Otter. You're usually not lacking the payoffs, the cantrips. You're usually just lacking the one drops. So now mm -hmm. you get to play. Now you get 12 now. Yeah. 
You get 12, the splash, as you said, you know, a few, a few pathways, maybe a few extra shock lands. Um, decent spell, it triggers prowess, obviously. So, yeah. yeah. I can see that card being good. I think the, the adventure colors for for this set are mostly teamer, mostly a teamer mechanic, even though. Uh, I, I think there's a. Yeah. I think every color pair every color pair has a a rare. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and you were saying for modern, obviously blue red prowess is. I'm I'm always pretty impressed by blue red prowess. Was the they usually play the the dragon sprite as well. You know, you get to to maximize Lavadart, and you're you're saying that card yeah. probably fit in. No, no, I was about to say that. As for modern, probably just the base one toughness on the card is too much, or rather too little, and uh, it's not gonna cut it in modern. I think, and also the competition is tougher. You know, Dragon Rage is Channeler, while it doesn't have prowess itself, or just Ragavan, still like excellent, excellent cards of much higher quality than than this in general so um probably rougher for this to make an impact in modern so i'm thinking of the other as a pioneer card mostly yeah ragavan usually doesn't even make the cut in these decks mm -hmm. all right fair enough that's probably like pretty fringe but we'll see maybe maybe it'll, it'll have a small impact on pioneer next in line Unless you want to, to no, say I keep something going. I might add a few cards at the end that I had on my list because of standard and see if you think it might be playable in Pioneer and Modern. But All right. So keep... next in line is a reprint, Slight of Hand. Ooh. So, you, you know, Blue Mana Sorcery, look at the top two, put one into your hand and one on the bottom of your deck. So this is... The introduction of Slide of Hand into Pioneer. And it now means that decks that are interested in playing cantrips, so obviously the first one that comes to mind, Blue Red Phoenix, are capable of playing as many as 12 one mana cantrips, which is a lot and uh, probably like ups their consistency. And uh, Phoenix, Phoenix happily played eight full eight cantrips with uh, Treasure Cruise, and you certainly just are always interested in spells to trigger your your cards, trigger your Phoenix, uh, trigger your thing in the eyes, fuel your Treasure Cruise. So I'm not sure what uh, is going to be the exact amount of cantrips you are going to be interested in in Phoenix. But given that they just played eight, no questions all the time, I'm, I would be surprised if it's uh, exactly eight. We probably are happy to play more. Yeah, I saw Goldugat post a list. He said he would probably cut Charter Course, I believe, for Slide mm -hmm. of Hands. And yeah, I mean, I love that card. I actually played that card in my very first Pro Tour. It was standard. I was playing Blue Skies and... I was playing Blue a really skies. yeah, I was playing a really low land count and I was playing four slide of hand and four opt um to just be as, as consistent as possible. So definitely a card what, dear what to my heart. What do I have to Google to see that deck? I don't know, Pro Tour Chicago two thousand, Blue Skies Nasif, maybe. 
and yeah no, i i did pretty good too for my first pro tour i, I top 64 and i actually had um back then i believe it was a seven sedition card and i had them they were white bordered so i would i used a sharpie and i black bordered my white bordered uh slide of hand because you know i wasn't gonna play with white bordered cards let's be real damn nice and it's a card that's modern power level right well maybe that's a little loose but mm. people did play it in ad nauseum yeah i mean i i, I remember that when i started playing modern with amulet titan i like kind of my innovation in, in, in summer bloom amulet titan was to play not only serum visions but also sleight of hands for consistency yeah, it's all which was kind of crazy when i when i go back and look at my decklist because the i certainly did not have enough blue mana sources to support seven blue cantrips but it didn't stop me i, I played with it anyways yeah they just unbanned preordain so it's gonna be tough competition but i think pat was saying he he was playing preordain for a little bit because of bowmaster or uh, not preordain sorry slide of hands yeah i mean i don't expect to see people actually play slide of hand in modern anymore but i think in, Pi in pioneer phoenix like the obvious home and it's probably just like between opt consider and sleight of hand it probably is pretty clearly the worst one so it's probably gonna be showing up in the decks that already want the full playset of the two two first ones right unless you don't value instant speed at all and then sleight of hand is arguably the better one pretty hard to not value instant speed at all but yeah i get your point also, notably, sleight of hand nicely. You, you mentioned Bowmaster. If Shouldred in Pioneer, a huge pain for the Phoenix deck in general, sleight of hand gives you some extra ability to dig for Lightning Axe to deal with her. Yeah, it's a big deal, for sure. So, the next card that we have in line is another unassuming common not dead after all which is uh <laughs> yeah. we, which uh like one of the latest episodes when we talked about unbanning preorder right and about the possible ways the the ban slash unban announcement could have went like you proposed some uh, potential way potential timeline in which uh all of the combat tricks that uh, like the scam uses would get banned, right? Or they would need to to make a new emergency one just for not dead after all, because it is exactly basically the same card, except that the creature returns with an extra wicked roll token attached to it. And you might wonder, what is a wicked roll token? It's an en token enchantment aura that gives the enchanted creature plus one, plus one, and then when that aura is put into a graveyard, each opponent loses one life. So it's just a very minor, very, very, very minor upgrade over Pain Death and uh, Undying Malice for modern Ragdos scam. Yeah, it does people. Yeah, it does feel like they're trolling us because scams are already really good, and now they're just printing, you know, not not meaningless one damage i think there's also another upside is that since it's a wicked roll token and not an actual plus one plus one it means that 
-hmm. If you have it on your creature and they kill it and you use the undying spell, then it still comes back because it did have a plus one plus one token. Yes. Yes. It means that you get to play Undying Evil. I think that's the name of the. Yes, Undying Evil, which literally has text target creature gains undying until end of turn, which means that the creature. When it dies, it returns with a plus one plus one counter, unless it had a plus one plus one counter on it itself. Yeah. So the upside of Undying Evil is that your creature returns to the battlefield untapped. So it's ready to block. Uh, that was not the case with Feign Death and Undying Malice. So typically, Undying Evil wasn't played because you just wanted to be able to use your extra tricks as protection spells. Uh, against removal with uh, not dead after all you actually get to play one or maybe even two undying evil if you want to play like a full six uh, well i guess tricks. maybe you, you still can't play undying evil right because people right now i think the stock list is just eight the eight cam spells now no it's six typically oh, play six okay so now you could play yeah, like uh, four four one one maybe four of the new one and Mm -hmm. It's gonna be either four one one or four two. Yeah. Okay. But the, the the thing that I dislike about not that after all is is probably again something that irks me more than you, I assume, given that uh, I think I play more paper magic than you do, and I have to say that like introducing a token aura enchantment is gonna be a little bit messy for keeping track of the game and like of course people are gonna use whatever like pokemon gengar tokens gengar cards or pokemon energy cards to represent that instead of like the let's say the proper tokens uh yeah well, they're gonna but, have the but even the proper tokens even the proper token right it's just it's just kind of gonna be a little bit awkward to use i don't know if you've seen them but no i assuming they're gonna be in the booster packs yeah, they're going to be in the booster packs, but the way they look is they have, because there is like, I don't know, five or six rolls mm -hmm. in the set. So they're uh, double. Every, there are like flip cards from Kamigawa, like Erayo. Right. So you have like, you know, a wicked roll on top and you have a curse roll on top and you're just supposed to flip it and put it underneath your card. And I guess the, the, portion that's relevant should stick out but it's it's a bit messy so not the biggest fan of of that uh, for clarity of gameplay and like not the, not the biggest fan of the fact that not dead after all is almost meaninglessly but still clearly slightly better than the previously existing options that people will be playing that but yeah it... i wonder what other little things the fact that it's a nora you know, mean when it's gonna matter. I was thinking of one super niche, but Invoke Despair is a card I've cast recently. Uh, now this card gives you yeah. gives you an enchantment stack to Invoke Despair. Pretty solid. It's um, it, it do, comes with downsides too, right? You can just they can prismatic any your role, I guess, but that doesn't seem like really a play that changes the outcome of the game very often, right? I was going to ask what's the casting cost on these rolls, do you know? Is it zero or one? It's zero. zero. Mana value zero. Yeah. All right. So yeah, pretty obvious upgrade, like not much else to say about it 
just every scam player in the world has to go to the pre-release now and ask around for a place of those, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Next I, could, card. I, I could see like a scenario where maybe all of a sudden ratchet bombs or explosives, you're scooping up the, the, to- the fable tokens, the bowmaster tokens, and now you mm-hmm. get to scoop up the roll. So it might be like a disadvantage in, in some spots, actually. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But keep in mind that the ability, each opponent loses one life, is actually when this aura is put into a graveyard. So when they ratchet bomb away your roll, they still take one. Okay. So let's move to the next card in line, which is a rare removal spell. The end. Four mana, two black black, instant. It costs two less to cast if your life total is five or less. So, so if you have five or less life, it just costs black black to cast. And it's a exile target creature or planeswalker. And it searches its controller graveyard hand and library for any number of cards with the same name and exiles them. So basically a cri- cranial extraction removal spell like let's say cranial extraction vraska's contempt and uh four mana is a lot for like for a removal spell past uh, standard even in standard it's probably like just just so many like we we are far from vraska's contempt being a crucial card in the format right but uh I have to say that uh, a cranial extraction effect when stacked to a card that is not otherwise uh, shameful to play is is just pretty nice, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Speaking of standard anyways, there's literally an Esper control deck that's main win come is just four Wandering Emperor. So if Mm -hmm. if you just DN that... They might still be able to win. Maybe they play a Myrex or two, or who knows, but they're going to struggle. And yeah, that that card seems good. Seems better in a control deck where you're actually going to get loaded, maybe in red-black midrange where you have Shieldred and you're going to struggle to cast it for two. People were mentioning Death Shadow too. Uh, mm, is a deck where... Yeah, but that that's still pretty sketch because you need your removal to be good on turn one, turn two, not like once you're all set up. But uh, as far as standard and pioneer go, uh, I agree. I think that card looks pretty good, and I could see it playing playing in control. Even though, in which matchup are you super excited to to get the extra well, ability? I, well, there's one matchup I'm super excited about it maybe not super but significantly excited about it and it's just mono green devotion uh, in pioneer mm-hmm. this card seems very strong against that deck especially if you're able to like prolong the game to the point where you are casting it comfortably and you can cast it multiple times then like mono green often relies on like you know, multiple cavaliers or multiple carns. Like if you if you target a carn or a cavalier with this card, the mono green deck is much weaker, right? Just immediately, uh, every storm the festival is just much weaker. Uh, if you like remove the carns, there is no combo. If you remove cavaliers, there is 
much less ability to just churn through the deck and do those uh, big combo turns where uh, you're popping off through most of your deck. So, you know, I'm not sure if I will, it's going to be good enough to play, let's say, in, in a sideboard of a Ragdos midrange or Ragdos sacrifice deck against mono green. It's also black black, so it uh, doesn't work well with Giganta, unfortunately. But as you said, maybe like Demir Control in Pioneer, I could definitely see uh, the end as a potential tool with Mono Green in mind and just like being a card that you is not like too bad to play otherwise. Yeah, it competes with Extinction Event against Mono Green specifically. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming when you're playing Ragdos Midranger, you're probably more interested in scooping up a Nyxra Elf and just snowballing than, than removing, even though I totally agree that these term the festivals are going to start looking pretty, probably pretty weak uh, if you can cast DN once or twice. Mm -hmm. it'll, 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 it's kind of card you kind of have to play with maybe to get a, a better feel for it. Certainly we're going to have to try it out in practice to get a better feel for that, but I'm kind of interested in, in that specific use. Yeah, I mean, if you look at control for four mana, you get Memory Deluge or Wandering Emperor in blue-white. If you compare the end to Wandering Emperor, it seems... Yeah, well, I don't know. Like it. it will occasionally cost two mana, too, but that's not something that I expect to happen reliably. It's a nice bonus, but effectively doesn't impact my evaluation of the card much for now. Yeah, sack and maybe fizzle it too. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, I can see that card being huge in standard though. All right. All right, next one. What do you got? So next in line comes a jumpstart card. But it, it is still like standard plus legal. Experimental Confectioner. Two and a black creature, human, peasant. When enters the battlefield, you create a food token, and whenever you sacrifice a food, create a 1-1 one, one black rat creature token that cannot block. It's a 2-3 creature. Uh, this card goes infinite fairly easily. Well, not, maybe not easily. It goes infinite with uh, a Lord of the Rings, Tales of Middle-Earth, All-Star, Peregrine, Took. So, I have a certain amount of affinity and uh, like a special place in my heart for like the game object strategies i don't even know exactly why but something about them just is is so nice to me and i i like academic manufacturer so much so much and i just every now and then i try to play them and those decks kind of suck they're never actually really all that good but i bet like i i I'll, i tell you already i will be playing at least a single league with Experimental Confectioner and Peregrine Took in my deck and try to combo combo off with those two cards uh, once or twice. All right, well, uh, good luck dodging a Lightning Bolt. Hope, yeah. hope you don't get paired against Murktide. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Like, I, they print so many of those cards and they kind of combo or they kind of look interesting. But just so many of them are free drops and like they are just free drops tied to one mana removal spells. And sure, yeah, the confectioner is gonna leave you with a food token, but that doesn't actually do anything for the most part. And 
you yeah. certainly have to dodge lightning bolts pretty often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you. <laughs> and you said it costs free mana, right? So it competes with all yeah. the yeah, I guess collected company is what you're gonna do or Yes, collected company, which I'm going to use an excuse to to put an overly big amount of uh, free drops into my deck and then I'm going to miss my bad land drop and just feel bad overall, but yeah, that's my plan. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the old white green company deck I used to love in modern, where the curve was like twelve elves, like one or two two drop, and then twelve free drops or whatever it was, sixteen free drops, just to maximize company. With cool. Night of the Reliquary and yeah, Aven, Aven Mind Sensor, Bramuna, Excavator, this type of stuff. Yeah, it was so many frees. Yeah, it was a cool deck, and it wasn't that bad, honestly. I think. There was a Pro Tour. I didn't end up playing at the Pro Tour, but it was legitimately my best win. I was keeping track, and it was my best win rate deck in the leagues on Magic Online was that White Green white green Company deck, but that's that another time. I think it was PT top eight. We, no, it's a, I think it's a PT where we played, where you played um, Lantern, right? And I was playing Blue-Eyed, and... Obviously. Who ended yeah. up? The, it was like a bunch of Tron in the top eight, and Raid made top eight was Absent, and who who won already? Salvador won that PT. No. Uh, was it Salvador? Was it Jerry? Who won? The finals was Salvador versus Jerry. Lantern versus versus uh, uh, Mardu Pyromancer. But it escapes me who actually emerged victorious in this one. I want to say Salvador, but. Could be wrong. I I think so too. Yeah. All right. Um, Lantern was such a nice deck. <laughs> All right. Next, you got a great Lantern card. Something that's gonna no. Well, yeah. Okay. Sure. sure. Well, I kinda. All right. The next next card I have is Candy Trail for one mana colorless artifact. Artifact food clue. When Candy Trail enters the battlefield, scry two, two tap, sacrifice it, you gain free life and draw a card. So you gain both effects from a food and a clue. So I I just I just thought it was really funny that they literally unbound preorden like less than a month ago and they already made it obsolete with this card, right? <laughs> yeah, clearly four in every modern deck, of course. So it's just maybe it's gonna fit into Lantern too. So without spending too much time on, yeah, on this one, moving on, let's move to Besiege the Mirror, which is which is the card you mentioned already. One black, black, black sorcery has the main mechanic of the set bargain, which means that you may sacrifice an artifact, enchantment, or a token as you cast this spell. And the ability of Besiege is that you search your library for a card, exile that card face down, and then if you bargained your Besiege the Mirror, you may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost if that spell's mana value is 4 or less, otherwise put it into your hand. So, for 4 mana and sacrificing an object, Artifact enchantment or token, so you get to, yeah, sure. You get to just search your deck for a 4 mana card or less and play it. 
does that make you excited make you excited gab yeah um no but so the card is basically diabolic tutor but harder to cast unless you pay the extra bargain cost in which case you get yourself a shield red the one ring which is actually cast you, you get the trigger that part is nice people have been asking me a lot because i've actually been playing that mono black deck that's close to the coffers current deck except i cut the coffers mana base and i cut the cards and i'm just my top end is just for shield red for the one ring and i have a couple damnation and nothing that costs more than four so people were asking oh do you think besiege the queen would be good in that deck and i don't think that just four bowmaster is enough i think you need a bit more and I don't think Yogmoth wants that card because it's... Yeah, Yogmoth is a deck that can sacrifice stuff sometimes, that's true. It's not trivial oh, because back. it is unintuitive, but bargain is actually not creature. So you can't sack a 1-1, one, one, oh, you can't sack a 1. Yeah. So, so they, Eldritch Evolution is already kind of better in their deck, and that one's just not that easy. Triple Black is not that easy. Um, the one, the one thing I, the one suggestion I heard that got me kind of excited about the card is um, Asmo in an Asmo deck where you have all these extra food tokens, um, maybe Saga token. You obviously have artifacts. You can maybe play Blood Fountain. I don't love that card in general, but uh, Besiege makes that sure. card all more, all more playable. But what, what are you gonna search for, right? That's well, like the important part too. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of need to have a toolbox. It, it loses its value in a deck where you you kind of already want to play four shield red for the one ring. You know, you just want to curve into them, not have to bother making tokens. But if if you get to play, you know, one shield red, one the one ring, one of this, one of that, may, maybe it becomes good. I'm I'm not really seeing it, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, like in a normal deck, right? The one you mentioned, the mono black deck, where you just want to play your cards. There is not much reason to play Besiege over playing more copies of your cards, right? You already said, oh, I play four shoulders for the one ring. That's already eight four mana cards. You're not going to want to play many more than that. Yeah, so there is little reason to turn to Besiege. Where I would think there is more reason to do that is when Besiege enables you to cast some stuff that you're otherwise not supposed to, maybe. So, like, the first thing that came to my mind was casting uh, Valky slash T-Balt, but then after reading the card closely, it turns out that you actually can't cast uh, T-Balt's side of Valky from this because the spell has to be four mana or less. And T-Belt is obviously 7. So that, that is not an option. And the other thing that you can cast that other, otherwise is hard to do would be like the Suspense spells, for example. Living End, Rhinos, uh, Ancestral Vision, Glimpse the Glimpse of Tomorrow. So like that is an option. I'm not entirely sure how that would, you know, Makes sense, and in what way it would necessarily be better than the traditional cascade approaches, but that probably would be what would make me interested in playing Besiege the Mirror in the first place. Yeah, for modern, it makes no sense, right? You said Rhinos, that only makes sense. Living in, what are you going to uh -huh. sack? And um, you have all the cascade spells that are so efficient. Glimpse, even worse, because that means you have an extra spell in your deck that's a brick on. 
glimpse and you're sacking one of your precious permanent. The, the one I well, heard about uh, you can maybe talk about is the legacy use was the green Yagma swill. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll talk about that in a moment, but like, like, probably you'd need to like rebuild the decks and, uh, you know, play a not necessarily a cascade approach, right? If you're like already playing the cascade cards and you're already going by the restriction of no cheap cards in your deck, then probably adding Besiege on top of that is pretty impossible and doesn't do much. But uh, if you eventually maybe there is going to be enough uh, ways to cast the suspense spells that are not just cascading into them where you might want to do that for example ask for told and besiege the mirror that kind of could work maybe in some way but uh, probably like on its on the surface it doesn't look like a better approach than just casting violent outbursts on your opponents upkeep on their third turn when they only have two mana yeah, now that you mentioned that, I could maybe see it was the, the balance, actually. Mm -hmm. That would yeah. be a cool one where you you have a toolbox and one of the ones you get is balance and you have an ancestral vision. Tutors have been decent historically for... I've liked them for sideboard hate cards, too. I remember, mm -hmm. you know, like Finkel won Standard Nationals was a mono-black vampiric tutor deck where he got to tutor, like, one of persecute an engineered plague does a few a few bullets so you know maybe that card gets you your chalice of the void for zero or it gets you uh, a karn it gets you you need a, a a bunch of four high high impact four mana cards but mm -hmm. if you have like four or five that are you know kind of a bring to light it's a bit like bring to light yeah yeah sure so so maybe yeah, to, to talk about the legacy use uh, the green suspend card from mh2 gay as well uh it's essentially yogmos will right it just lets you cast cards from your graveyard this turn so besiege can find it and cast it in legacy and it's easier to fulfill the bargain requirement when you're allowed to play for example Vault of Whispers and also Dark Ritual to to power your Besiege out. So maybe that's something that's interesting for certain builds of Storm decks. Not expecting this to really like all to do all that much in modern, even though it is a card that seems to pre-order for the highest amount of dollars from from the set. It is a it is a mystic. Yeah, I could see it in a, in a mid-range shell was a, a nice toolbox. The the problem that there's not that many modern decks that are shut down by one hate card. Even even the cascade decks, they can deal with the chalice, they can deal with with permanent. So, um, and there's a lot of spell pierce counters, etc. Et so obviously, uh, the bargain is in the man is in the mana cost, is in the cost of the card. So you lose you lose your investment if it gets countered. Yeah. You still All have right, the option. Moving. I guess I was talking about Chalice. I guess for Chalice, you don't need to bargain. I'm done. You can just literally tutor for it and play it for zero. So maybe I underestimate, you know, just Diabolic Tutor sometimes is is good enough. And you can maybe. No, get... no, 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 no. I think you, you estimate Diabolic Tutor properly. I think it's really bad. Like, I think Diabolic. I think, like, 
maybe maybe I'm jaded from playing vintage too, but like I'm it's just when you play with demonic tutor and and uh, time walk, it is funny how often those cards are kind of bad in yeah. that format and like okay. you you're you're always taught that that is just super good like that's like the best things possible and and they like yeah it's pretty hard for them to be like actively horrible but the extent of their greatness like they're just kind of powerful because the floor is high rather than than because they're always excellent yeah we we talked about the end and extinction event and and pioneer what about what about besiege in in a ragdos deck where you're you have, you've got the blood token You've got maybe a treasure token, maybe the fable token, and you get to tutor either the end or extinction event or whatever else you might want in in the matchup. Is that something that sounds interesting to you? A little bit, but at the same time, Ragda sacrifice is typically like a 20-22 land deck that curves out at three and plays Giganta, so it is a little bit of a like you, you're making some deck building sacrifices here, and uh, they better be worth it. Yeah, I could see it. You know, Tudor. There's some exciting four mana cards. The end extinction event. I'm guessing in Slotus Field, there's probably something good that costs four or less that you can get. Typically against mid range and control decks, you're not gonna hose them with one card. And obviously, it still gets shield red and whatnot. Maybe Kalidas and in the mirror anyways all right what do you got next the next card in line is tough cookie which is once again a result of my love for game objects one green artifact creature food golem two two when etbs create a food token so it has the food ability to tap sacrifice gain free life sure and for free mana, target non-creature artifact you control becomes a 4-4 artifact creature until end of turn. So you get to attack your opponents with your food tokens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a two mana, you know, I, I was complaining how they don't print free mana, how they don't how they only print free mana cards for my game object decks in modern, and this is a two mana card. So I just got really excited, you know. It makes a food on ETB. It's like good when you have Peregrine Took in your deck, which <laughs> I will for the combo. Because it's two food in one two foods in one card and you want some foods to kick start your combo with confectioner. So it's actually just perfect. Uh you know, you can sacrifice it with your Samwise Gamji. Overall excellent card. Alright. Anything you want to add, Gap? No, I mean it it looks great. It's good with with goose. Just yeah, perfect card. You said it. Nothing to add. Yeah, you can like play it on turn two, and then you can use your goose on turn three, four, and five, sacrificing all of your food. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Next, after tough cookie, we are looking at up the beanstalk. One green enchantment. When up the beanstalk enters the battlefield, and whenever you cast a spell with mana value 5 or greater, draw a card. Uh, and I like the flavor text of this card, because immediately after you're done reading the text, you look like down, and it just says, it's not so bad, at the beginning of the flavor text, which seems like a review of the card. 
It's not so bad. All you have to do is keep from looking down. No, no, no. Just, just read the first phrase. It's not so bad. So, like, you know, how good is Up the Beanstalk? It's not so bad. It's not so bad. Uh, yeah, people were hyping that card up for Legacy with Force of Will, you know, the pitch spells. People were thinking about it with Modern, with Same Solitude Fury. And I, I'm kind of skeptical as often. What do you think? Mm -hmm. It's is that card going to see play in modern? I think it is worth trying playing in modern. Uh, it's kind of like a risen riff type effect. Risen, risen, risen reef. Uh, it does replace itself, which is kind of great and just kind of a difference, right, between being worth looking at at all and just being something that you look and ignore. Because if it didn't draw on ETB, like you would just ignore it. But you know, imagine that you're playing modern, and let's say you play your like four color deck against uh, Scam or just anything else for that matter, and you just go like I don't know, play like a Ren on turn two, and then turn three you can play up the Beanstalk, draw a card, play Leyline Binding, draw a card, remove a thing, and maybe if there is more things that need removing you can maybe evoke an elemental and draw another card right that sounds not so bad to me so that's some pretty good actually yeah people were saying so that it... basically you have omnap you have the one ring you don't really need another card that draws you more cards you're good on that front but maybe, maybe you do maybe maybe i'll just be uh you know replace whatever you you'll 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 trim on ren or on teferi and yeah, it's pretty important to have something, some action in your four color deck in the end so that all of your card drawing actually leads somewhere and then you're able to win the game. And uh, it's probably a pretty tough sell to say that you'd prefer to play to, pl to play up the Beanstalk as your card advantage tool instead of the one ring, but it is also a two mana card versus, versus a four mana card, right? And as strong as the one ring is, it's uh, the four color deck is... It's kind of cumbersome with it, and uh, I would at yeah. least try like maybe a build that just uses up the beanstalk as the main card advantage. Yeah, I agree. They they, sta they stack up nicely too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you have two in your opening hand, basically you, you play them and you're pitching solitude for free. Now you're up a card, right? Because you're yeah, you're you're literally profiting of of playing mm -hmm. free solitudes. Um. And it's harder to kill than Risen Reef, like Scam, for example, it's just gonna stay in play. It's it's always there. It's gonna trigger your opponent's bowmasters plenty, but I mean if you draw enough cards you can just deal with them. Yeah, does it have potential in some other modern decks or in Pioneer? In Monogreen? Yeah, I mean, well any any leyline binding deck that just kinda aims to play expensive cards like ideally you want cards that have a high mana value but are actually not expensive to cast right so like you mentioned legacy yeah force of will that draws a card cool that sounds good solitude that draws a card great leyline binding for one mana that draws a card awesome if you're casting actual five drops then eh, a bit weaker but uh you know could it be in... good in, in yorion maybe fires yorion yeah, Enigmatic Incarnation, like you place you play Leyline Binding in this deck, you play some expensive cards, you play Yorion, which 
draws two cards with up the beanstalk, right? You first draw when you cast your and then you blank your up the beanstalk to draw another card. So maybe yeah. it's better than let's say Nihilia's presence or whatever they yeah. are playing uh, currently or Omen of the Sea. Wait, the fairy here. No, no, no. area, draw a card, untap, draw a card. No. Another one I was thinking, Bring to Light. That's kind of cool. You, you draw two cards, right? You cast a Bring to Light and then you cast a, a five drop. So you get your mm -hmm. Niven to play and you get to draw two cards. Nice. That sounds like some like juicy cleanup step action. I kind of hyped, honestly. I thought that card was maybe not good enough, but it, it, it sounds... You heard it here first. It's better than the One Ring and Omnath. Well, yeah. Well, one one thing that I like over over the wandering about up the beanstalk is that it's just like another tool that also helps you smooth the early game, right? Because mm -hmm. you can just play it on turn two and make it easier to hit your land drops. And if you're stuck with like many spells in your hand, you're often in a situation where it's more acceptable for you to pitch a solitude or fury to keep up anyways because you have more spells in your hand so like you naturally kind of helps you hit your land drops in the games where you would struggle to do so so it's like kind of more you know it's not quite red and six when it when it comes to hitting land drops like nothing is but it's it's nice in that aspect i think that's cool i i could see i could totally see red and six as one of the cards you trim to play four up the beanstalk because they stack super nicely one thing we didn't mention is that they're great, well, great. They're Teferi targets. That's something that's, you know, uh -huh. people don't play Ice Fang anymore because of many reasons. One being Bowmaster. And that card, you know, sure, you do get pinged by Bowmaster, but at least it doesn't just die to it. And that's that's something the, the Omnath deck doesn't have right now. I mean, they balance their ring sometimes in the late game or cute plays with Binding sometimes, but mostly... You mostly don't have, uh, you know, any good targets, but so it's a natural curve of turn to beanstalk, turn three to fairy bounce it. Maybe, yeah, no, honestly, I'm, I'm the more we talk about it, the better it sounds to me. Yeah, so so I think up to beanstalk has some potential and certainly kinda. Yeah, I agree. I like that it's I like I like that it's smooth. Just yeah. two mana cycle to begin with, and then it has like extra potential, smoothier draws. Yeah, it's not Not bad. every card does that. It's not so bad. And now we're going to move to the last of the cards I have pulled for us to talk about. It is Agatha's Soul Cauldron. For two colorless mana, it's a legendary artifact. And it's a mouthful, the entirety of the texts. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to activate abilities of creatures you control. That's the first ability. All right. Creatures you control with plus one plus one counters on them have all activated abilities of all creature cards exiled with Agatha's Soul Cauldron. All right. Okay. And it has a tap ability. Exile target card from a graveyard. When a creature card is exiled this way, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. So what is happening is that you are exiling cards from your graveyard, be it yours or your opponent's. You grant, to you, gra you grant plus one plus one counters to your creatures, and then your creatures have all the abilities from 
all the things that the cauldron has exiled. So let's say you exile a Grizzlebrand. Your 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 creatures just can pay seven to pay seven life to draw seven cards, and that's that's just a thing that happens for as long as the soul cauldron is in play, and for as long as your creatures have plus one plus one counters, which the cauldron itself provides. So lots of combo potential and lots of weird things that can happen with this card that are pretty hard for me to wrap, wrap my head around immediately. And honestly, when I see this type of a card, my initial reaction is to to say, huh, interesting, and then just wait for others to like do the hard work and think of the actual good uses of, of a like combo tool like that. So it's two mana artifact. Already, I couldn't find the card on the Mythic Spoiler page because I guess it's maybe from a. Is it from a weird set? Is it a Mythic? Is it a rare? It's a Mythic rare. Mythic rare. Agatha's Soul Cauldron. Hmm. All right, I'll have to go back and read it after the podcast. And uh, there's so there's no shell right now in Pioneer or Modern where that card would be good right away or might be worth trying, right? Not even a delve, these delve like well the the black what's the name of that black card, the six mana card Sol, that gains all the Sol abilities? You're, you're thinking you're thinking of Soul Flare, but it's kind of a different thing, right? Where you are trying to excel keywords, not activated abilities. Uh so Well, there is maybe no sh no shell where it like immediately fits, and it is certainly a weird card. Like I mentioned, Grizzlebrand, and this is kind of like reanimating Grizzlebrand. If you get the Grizzlebrand ability on the creature, it's kind of like kind of you're doing it. So maybe it's the redundancy for uh, Gorious Vengeance. I guess that we were looking for in modern. Yeah, I didn't know we were looking for it, but. But I guess, you know, it's pretty nice to have like eight combo pieces instead of uh, four when you're trying to go hard on a certain aspect. And one extra important thing that might have been not apparent from my reading of the card to you, Gab, is that the tap ability is Exile Target Card from a Graveyard. So it's half of an unlicensed hair. So you can just use this as a Graveyard Hate card, kind of. Yeah, I mean, you can just it, tap it every turn, and yeah, it's not just that much setup, as you said. Gristleman's like getting Gristlebrand on the board. That's a, the 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 salt card is a two mana card, and then all you need is a literal one one, right? Or yes, plan token. Yeah. That that you, you need, well, you, you need a Gristlebrand in your graveyard, right, to begin with, and you yeah. need a creature in place. So there is there is some requirements, and your opponent gets to break it. But also, if you have some natural way to have plus one plus one counters on your creatures then uh, that's also a way you don't need to have those plus one plus one counters to be sourced from the cauldron itself they wow. can come from from anything yeah we, we're playing phalagi archaeologist in the gristle brand attracts a deck see yeah see you knew the phalagi you self mail it's a creature and you can even choose not to gain back anything like let's say you go turn to phalagi 
you mailed Gristlebrand, you don't get back anything. It already has a counter on it, but I guess why would you keep a counter when the, the card run is going to put it on it anyways, when it exiles the Gristlebrand? Yeah, but like, let's say you you play the Cauldron and you're like, you only have a creature with no counter on it and you you use the Cauldron's ability. Yeah. Right? And you, you target your Grizzlebrand, you exile it, and you target your creature, and your opponent kills the creature in response. Then, you play under Falaji Archaeologist, you refuse to take a card, and you, you're just free to draw seven yeah. immediately. Someone was saying it works with Grist, right? And yes. Your, your creatures get the Grist ability, <laughs> yes. which is a little weird. There's, so in, in, yes, yes. there's Grist, there's Yogmog, we talked about Gristlebrand. What are the good creatures with activated abilities do people play in their modern deck? Grist is funny because, like, yeah, because the uh, loyalty ability, it's it's been like the same ruling with Sarkan from War of the Spark, which is also kind of odd when you thought about it. But there is a rule and that says that you can any permanent can activate its uh, loyalty abilities, I think, but only once per turn, and it's not tied to being a planeswalker at all. Despite like just you know you'd think it is, but it actually is not tied to that in the rules at all. Like creature, if creatures have Gris abilities, they're just free to activate their loyalty abilities. Yeah. It works with Asmo too. Yeah, it's Asmo kind of cool. Because one problem with Asmo is it's a human, so it doesn't target Yogg. But if you give that ability to your Saga token or whatever, then you can kill a Yogg. I mean, that's super narrow and niche, but. Okay, okay. Yeah, no. I mean, that card, yeah, it seems, seems kind of good. Doesn't seem like that much setup. I could see it. Wow, I'm impressed. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think I would agree and be so hyped about so many of the cards, but I I think many of them are at least interesting, right? Yeah, like uh, no yeah. no confidence in like how big of an impact they will make in modern, but I can definitely think of situations that that make me go like, "Huh, this card is is kind of neat and fun stuff can happen with uh with it." Yeah, I agree. So, did you want to bring up some of the cards on your own? Was there something exciting that um, I did not touch on? I had mostly cards that are as more focused on standard power level, which is not that far from pioneer power level. Sometimes, uh, my my hot take as best standard card of the set is a card called Monstrous Rage, which deals a lot of damage potentially and can blow people out if i can find the exact text it's a red instant target creature gets plus two plus zero until end of turn and you get a monster roll token attached to it which is you know the rolls we talked about the one on the undying card this one is plus one plus one trample so for one mana your creature gets plus three plus one trample until end of turn and it keeps a plus one plus one trample especially appealing in 
in standard where one of the best removal spell is cut down. Gab. Gab. Yes. Is is just a combat trick. Uh, I'm aware about... of the fact that standard doesn't rotate this time. Uh, as, as it's cut down, man. It counters a cut down. They have to play their cut down at sorcery speed, or else you just blow them out. All right, maybe maybe a card that has more more value, more more pioneer potential. What about the red cap? I thought that card was pretty solid overall. Red cap, gutter dweller, red red two. Mm -hmm. So for four mana, you get a hail giant, a free free. It has menace. When it enters the battlefield, you get two one one rats that cannot block. So you get the creature plus two one ones. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you may sack another creature. If you do, you put a counter on the red cap, becomes a four four the first time, and exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. So. For four mana, if it dies, it leaves two tokens back. If it doesn't die, you basically get a hauling mine or close to it because you, you have these rats. So at least for a couple turns, and your creature gets nice. bigger and it has menace, so it can potentially attack into a shield dread. Just seems like such a solid card to me. Well, yeah, it seems like an interesting top end for for a red aggro deck and standard. Yeah, I mean, people play, it's not quite seasoned Pyromancer in Modern. It's probably not, not, not good enough for Modern, but I, get, I could see playing that card in, in just mid-range mid -range checks. It, it could, be, could be good enough. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. What else did I have? Not, not a ton, honestly. Um, hmm. there's, there's a Zap, I guess. It gives you a treasure token. So it's a red and two instant speed, deal one damage to our card, and you get a treasure token. So for creativity, it could, you know, arguably be better than Prismari Command in some spots. If you get to kill something, you get to actually draw a card and not draw two discard two. So it cantrips, and you still get the treasure, like you would with Prismari Command, and you still get one damage instead of two. So, For the listeners, what is the name of that card? That card? Flick a coin, I believe. Flick a coin. I could be wrong, but I think that was the name. Yeah. Steal one damage and a target, create a treasure token, and draw a card. Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool for creativity uses, certainly. And a correct matchup can do a lot. Yeah, it kills kills the bowmaster, obviously, even though the they probably get a little something. There's a whole like fairies theme that looks like it could maybe be good enough for standard, and maybe some of them will be an upgrade for for modern people used to to play fairies. It was never very good, and, and I doubt that the cards you get are are big enough upgrades. But um, I don't know what the status of fairies is in in Pioneer at all. Is is that deck a thing? You don't you don't have bitter blossom. Do you have the good land at least, or not even? Mm, there's, I don't believe there is any fairy lands. Yeah. In in pioneer, there's no Mutia Vault, no no man lands at all, no yeah. secluded land. That was that was back in Lorwyn, right? So that's way too old. And yeah, phew, there is. It's funny they like keep making those like very 
very light tribal themes, but they just kind of never amount to produce like a good enough tribal deck in like the older formats because of that, right? You kind of have like a rogues deck in Pioneer, which is which is half a deck. It's not very good. Shows up sometimes. Yeah, rogues but, is uh, close. It's quickly yeah. after. Yeah, it's it's close, but like you know, then it'll, like now we're getting fairies, so like fairies also at best are gonna be close most likely. Yeah. All right, I'll hit you with yeah, one more. I thought happens. I thought you would actually bring it up since you've been playing Pioneer, and I feel like that card could be good enough. Is Virtue of Persistence, which could arguably be the best card in standard. We'll see, but it's it's one of the adventures, the mythic adventures. It's a black one, so. It's a black and one sorcery speed minus three minus three. You gain two life. So mm-hmm. not the most exciting. Obviously, sorcery speed removal is never that great, but it does line up nicely in Pioneer. You do kill an elf, not on curve, but you kill Harvester, a Fable token. You kill potentially Trespasser, Bone Crusher, Giant. Uh, you gain two life for your trouble, and then on seven mana, it's an enchantment that's basically Depthers now, right? The old white black split or hybrid mana cost enchantment that says at the beginning of your upkeep put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control so every turn every upkeep you get to reanimate a creature and eat our graveyard so turn two removal spells and then it's kind of a, i win the guy I, I win the game card down the line it can't be hit by a discard spell because it's just hiding adventure so Feel like mm-hmm. that card could could maybe be good enough for Pioneer too, and probably good in standard. Seven mana, pass. Wait till the next turn to to actually do a thing. It's still a lot of mana, and of course, like you're mainly looking at it as a two mana card with like the extra upside of being able to play the seven mana option later in the game. Yeah, it doesn't sound that great. I certainly. Talk about it that way. Yeah, so like I I'm pretty sure it's gonna be excellent in standard, right? Like a two mana removal spell that's acceptable and like that extra thing that's just so big and probably pretty hard for some decks to deal with because not every deck uh answers enchantments easily. Pretty lukewarm about it in Pioneer, and I would be surprised if uh, people play it. I think the removal spell part is actually a little bit too bad and it doesn't match up all that well if you're facing mono green it's just like a two mana removal spell for an elf if you're facing grease fang it's it's sorcery if you're facing you know literally anything else it's still pretty hard for it to be excellent because it is still a limited size removal spell at sorcery speed all right but fair enough okay but i have to say that what I like about this card is the fact that when I first bought a Magic the Gathering booster pack, my rare in that pack was actually Deptor's Nail, which you mentioned, and uh, pretty nice. That's the first rare you ever opened? Yes. Wow, that's cool. Back then, I wasn't even playing Magic. I just bought like a booster pack for no reason, and I opened it, and... Uh, it had a Deptor's Nail, and I looked at it. It was very expensive, had many mana symbols, looked powerful, and I was like, wow, that's cool. But I didn't know the rules like fully back then, so just looked at it and uh, 
and thought it was cool. All right, all right. Um, all right, well, that was, I think that's, that's it for the spoilers. Um, once we've mm -hmm. played with the card in a couple of weeks, I'm sure we'll have many more things to say. Do you want to call out, like, best card in modern out of the set? Did you have one in mind when you were making that list? Which one do you think is going to be the best for modern? Not dead after all. <laughs> Which is lame, but true. All right, besides a marginally marginal upgrade of... Uh, it's kind of hyped on, I don't know, a lot of them, actually. I was going to say of the Beanstalk, but that artifact sounds like it could be sick. Um, I, I will say of the Beanstalk for modern. All right, I'm going to go with uh, that two-mana artifact that does weird things. I was going to say of the Beanstalk, but I'll, I'll pick the, the two-mana artifact. Agatha's Soul Cauldron. Yes, that one. All right, we've also been playing me some modern, you some pioneer. I played a tiny bit of Pioneer. I played Blue-White because I felt like playing the prelim and um, I went an honorable 2-2, two two, losing to, to you, Canister. You've been playing that White-Red Pia deck, right? Yeah, I played this deck for two two prelims. Uh, we did face off in that preliminary. It was not too hard to defeat you. It's uh, pretty nice that the Pia deck is like kind of an aggro deck. It has 12 one-drops, but it can grind a lot and sometimes just things line up in a way where you just outgrind blue white control with it and it's a really nice feeling. Yeah, you definitely did all these showdown of the scald. It did it did feel like kind of a tough matchup. So what? yeah, it's, it's it's a pretty cool deck. Not many people play it. Like whenever I go like on Goldfish, I try to look up the deck list for that and it's just not even in the top like fifteen most played decks, so I have to manually search for it instead of just clicking the small thumbnail for it but uh, so far I've been liking it not too much it's not like super super exciting and my front runners for Lil at this very moment are probably right to sacrifice and Phoenix if sleight of hand proves to be excellent but uh, for that I have to wait uh, a little bit until Eldrain gets released and we actually get to play with Sleight of Hand. Yeah, I I I have Lille. It's like right up to Worlds. I'm not even 100% sure I'm going, so I'll probably just play a bit with Quick Study, see if I like it. I might just end up playing Blue-White Control anyways, just because that's what I want to play. And so you, you, can, you can say that your testing process before Lille is going to be a, a quick study of the Pioneer format. Yeah, no, I'll probably play a bit uh, on stream because I'm not gonna. I'm I'm probably gonna, gonna be streaming some drafts, but not streaming a ton of standard. So mm -hmm. I'll probably be playing a bit of Pioneer and Modern with the new cards. That sounds kind of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so you think that deck's like interesting? Yeah, I remember it won a showcase right a few months ago. I think I played it a bit in Explorer on Arena, and mm -hmm. I was a little underwhelmed, but it did not look underwhelming when you beat me. You, yeah, my my draw was pretty good too. I remember game one, my draw was really solid, and it didn't end up, end up mattering. The Pia deck, right? Like yeah. certainly, the when I play with it, I certainly have games where I'm surprised I won them at the end, and they just like last for a long time, and eventually my opponent just runs out of cards, and and I don't. 
uh, oftentimes, like the ways the ways I lose with it are when I fail to draw like the first uh, impulse effect to start chaining and start drawing, and I just flood and uh, die. That happens from time to time, or maybe maybe my showdown got Fotsis early in the game, and that's why why I fail to kick off the chain. And sometimes I lose because I just don't get to start to get the ball rolling. Maybe stuck, maybe get stuck on lands a little bit early, and uh, it's a bit hard to start chaining the two mana impulses yeah. because of that yeah, early in the game. So that's quite a really good Ren's resolve and reckless impulse. I've actually been playing a bit of standard, and I've been having fun with a mono red deck where I literally get to outgrind blue black because I I'm playing eight copies of of Ren's Resolve and Reckless Impulse, and then I have four Bloodthirsty Adversary in my deck. And I'm mm. not even kidding, I've, I've cast at least three or four times an Adversary was 11 mana out. So 5-5 five, five days, replay three cards from my graveyard because the game's going so long. I'm playing Koth, too, in my deck. I'm playing kind of a... You still have the Agra draws with Swift Spear and Phoenix Shake and whatnot, but... And the Kumano faces Kakazan, but yeah, it's it's kind of cool. So, so Kof serves as your as your shield red removal. Yeah, yeah, I play work here is Warcrafting too, so a little more like reactive. Oh, makes sense, makes sense. Yeah, a little more reactive, but it it's kind of I mean it struggled in some matchups and in some of the control decks, but it it's been kind of nice. Um, yeah, I've been playing uh, a bit of modern. I top aided a challenge with a mono black deck. I don't know. I just sounded good to me. I was like, yeah, why don't I just play these these mono black decks, but not play Kaffer, not play Karn, just top off at Shieldred and the One Ring, and you get to play all the quote unquote good cards, Bowmasters, Nice Whisperer. I was really impressed by Shieldred's Edict when I was playing the blue black ring deck. That deck I was liking for a bit, but the wheels started kind of falling off. Felt I think it's a fine deck. I think it's like bit above average, but nothing great. Same for Rhinos. I played a bit of Rhinos. I didn't feel like it was super great. I played a bit of Murktide. That seemed okay. That's one of the most popular decks right now in, in Modern. Yeah, mono, mono Black. I'm just playing 4 Push, 4 Night's Whisper, 4 Bowmaster, 4 Edicts, 4 Shield Red, 4 Rings, some Thought Feast, some Cling to Dust, some Blood Chiefs first, Damnations, and then you get to play the Field of Ruin Mana Base. So right now I have seven in my main how, deck. How big, how big of a part of like the wins of your deck is the fact that you play seven or eight field of ruins? Not not that often. It's it it adds up in the late game sometimes, and it's it's hard for me to say because it's it's something that maybe harder to see from my side how much it's it's making their life awkward. But the, the one card that's actually impressed me was Blast Zone. I have two, and that card just always impressed me when I put it in in a deck. It's it's really good in modern. There's a ton, uh, ton of decks that that you kind of wreck, and sometimes even just getting a rag is good enough. It's just a lot of value. Um, but yeah, I think the field of runes, you, you kind of need them. There's the, obviously the Tron matchups and the Titan matchups that are probably almost unwinnable without these cards, and uh, it, it it adds up. Uh, one question I have I to get. say, yeah, sure. Go, yeah. What's the question you get? No, like the sign in blood. <laughs> People are like, oh, why do you play Knights? It's for sign in blood. And 
obviously it's because it's kind of hard to cast on two. I actually have Voidwalker in the sideboard now, and that card's like pretty sketchy to cast on turn two already because I only have 14 or 15 uh, black source. So I have to say yeah. that looking at your deck, like it makes me long for the times when we were allowed to play with cool cards in modern, like Faithless Looting or, or Mox Opal. Because structurally, it's like 26 lands, bunch of removal, some monsters, bunch of card draw, the one ring. You're not even playing a full place of thought season in the main. You just like you just play like ten removal spells. Yeah, I mean, thirteen removal spells. It's just structurally, it is such a standard deck, and it makes me cringe a little bit. I mean, I see a lot. Yeah, but... deck was like this succeed. Yeah, modern's just a, a kind of a creature-based format. Honestly, I remember. I mean, that was a while ago, and it was in exactly the same format. But when I won the challenge, was like Jeskai, literally pile of removal. My deck was just Bolt and Verdicts, and I don't even remember. But it was basically all removal and mono black control, top eighting modern challenges. With yeah. two ghost quarters in the sideboard. Yeah, I mean, that list was not very good. I tuned it a bit. I think my current list is <laughs> it's much better. I went, I played three leagues, was it today? I went 13 and 2. Um, the challenge was kind of, I went, I, I made top 8, but really I went 5 and 3 and I timed out someone. So it was like, you know, not, not the greatest showing as far as top 8 goes. But I liked, I like what I've done. Uh, was the list, you know, refine a bit the mana base, cut a land, add like Baron Moore has been really good for me as a one of. Uh, the one Myrex is is interesting. And yeah, tweaking some of the numbers. Uh, Manguchi actually saw the deck and he he kind of liked it. He tried it a bit and he was the one who told me he thought my sideboard was kind of crap. And, you know, just having Void, Voidwalker is a versatile card that comes in a lot of matchups and, and some some, some of them, they're really good. So, yeah, my latest thing is like having one Karn in the sideboard as an anti-ring card, just sideboard one Karn. That's, yeah. So, so that's why you need Besiege the Mirror to find your Singleton Karn from your sideboard. Yeah, I think Mengu's playing the deck in paper this weekend, and I think he's going to pay the new card tax and he's going to throw in a one Besiege in, in his list. Actually, Besiege, you, I'm not even sure you can play it in this deck with the seven Field of Runes. I, I don't think you can cast it on turn four at all reliably. So maybe I should message him and tell him to definitely not put that card in his deck. Definitely should add an Urborg in that case, which... I did. Interestingly... Did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Yeah, I figured Urborg would actually help my opponent more than me. It, it might turn on their fetch lands when I've used all my Field of Runes, or just in general... My initial list didn't really have double black until turn four for shield red and damnation. So I figured Urbar would help my opponent more than it would help me. Um, you know, I actually got paired against the coffers deck. And, you know, you can just help them somehow. Same for like Yogmoth sometimes doesn't have double black, especially if you're trying to get them. So uh, I have it now, but I didn't think it was uh, an include before before having Voidwalker in my sideboard. I have, I have Break the Ice in my sideboard right now. Torak to the, the matchup. Like the, the One Ring decks basically are, the One Ring's really good against you. I would say it's maybe that deck's biggest weakness. 
even though you have Bowmaster and Shield Red and you're in one ranks, but you have literally yes, no way. It doesn't to look like a deck that has like a lot of aggression to make those cards excellent against the one ring immediately. So yeah. certainly you can just struggle against that. Yeah, so that's that's what I've been up to. That's probably what I'm playing. I think I'm just gonna play both modern challenges this weekend. Are you playing this weekend? You said you, you had taken kind of a break from the challenges when we were talking before the podcast. Yeah, I've been spending most of my weekends uh, away from from Magic's. I will probably play this Sunday, but I was planning on maybe playing the Pioneer one with the Pia deck. Uh, we'll see if I will be in the mood to double queue with the Modern Challenge. Probably I will just focus on the Pioneer one. Nice, nice. Maybe, right. maybe the Pia deck, maybe something else. All right, well, talking about challenges, time to, to put our lives on the line. All right. It's been, it's been like, I think, almost an hour and a half. That always happens when we do previews. It, even though you only pick 20 cards and it just, yeah, there's just so much to talk about. But if you're still here, for those of you who don't know what Life on the Line is, it's a tournament. If you win, you live. If you lose, you die. And we have to bring in a deck for the formats we've talked about. So I guess for this week, it's going to be Modern and Pioneer. Canister, why don't you do the honors? All right. So first, Pioneer. I said I will likely play Pia on Sunday, but that is that's still for science reasons. For life of the line on the line, I'm choosing. Uh, wait, is Throne of Eldraine legal on Modo, or like is Throne of Eldraine legal in Life of the Line? Yes, life it on is. The line. Yes, of course. Then I'm choosing. You mean well, Wild Drain? Wild Wild yeah. Drain, of course, yeah. of course. Uh, so I'm choosing Phoenix with Sleight of Hand in, uh, in uh, Pioneer, and for Modern, I'm going with Peregrine Tuke, Experimental Confectioner combo. So goodbye, world. <laughs> All right, for Pioneer, I'm gonna play Blue White Control with Quick Study. Four quick studies, copium. Surely that'll make blue white great again. I will say you're never gonna miss your fourth land drop uh, anymore. I will say for Lille, it's open decklist, and I do feel like having open decklist in Sophia was a pretty big deal for being a control player. And for modern, damn, you kind of had me up on up the beanstalk. I think I would just play. Some kind of up the beanstalk deck, probably yeah, I'll nap up the beanstalk and uh, I like it. Yeah, definitely. Like as as you are a mono black player currently, you're just scared of enchantment so much that <clears throat> you you know that you will struggle against the beanstalk yourself, so you just want to be on the other side. Exactly. Alright, well, if you made it this far. Thank you so much for listening. Canister, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on youtube.com slash canister. And actually, there is a new interesting video I posted last week, which uh, you should definitely check out if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's a collection of my stories from when I worked on uh, as a consultant, helping with the design of Lord of the Rings, uh, 
Tales of Middle-earth. So it's a pretty cool video. You should check that out. Besides that, you can find me on x.com. <laughs> it never gets old. <laughs> slash canister underscore MTG. And on Twitch, also as canister underscore MTG. Yeah, we're, we're Twitchers, we're Twixers. Um, yes, name twitch.tv slash yellowhat. I stream most days and have a YouTube channel. I also do content for Channel Fireball's YouTube page. I uploaded, uh, or there should be some, uh, a, a league I played for, for Channel Fireball for the YouTube page uh, was that Monoblack deck. My VODs are free to access to everyone, so... Yeah, as always, thank you so much for listening, making it this far. If you did, love you, and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Take care.